I'm sure most people have heard of Bishop T.D. Jakes and his daughter, Sarah. Well, our guest today is no stranger to the Jakes family and is none other than Pastor Torre Roberts. Pastor Torre is married to Sarah, making him by default T.D.'s son-in-law, and is also the pastor of the Potter's House at One Church in L.A., one of the fastest growing churches in the Los Angeles area. He recently founded a branch of the Potter's House in Denver as well, and in addition to dividing his time between L.A., Denver, and raising six children with his lovely wife, Sarah, Pastor Torre also found time to write an incredible book called Wholeness. His book officially released last week and is flying off the shelves. You're going to want to get a copy of this book. In fact, I was just at the Grove in Los Angeles and the Barnes and Noble there had a giant billboard as you're going up the escalator for Torrey's book, Wholeness. And I think he was doing a book signing there coming up. In today's interview, Pastor Torrey and I talk about wholeness. We uncover some of the inner limitations many of us face in everyday life. We also discuss some practical tips on overcoming insecurity, reaching past human complacency, and of course, what it was like when Sarah brought him home to meet her dad, Bishop T.D. Jakes, for the very first time. Don't go away. Here's my interview with Pastor Torrey Roberts. Welcome to the Lucas Miles Show. We're excited today to welcome Pastor Torrey Roberts. Torrey, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lucas. Good to be on with you, man. I've been anticipating this because I just know there's like nuggets of wisdom that's going to get rained down during this episode. Really digging your book, Wholeness. We'll talk about that a little bit more. But I just love your ministry. I love the vibe and just everything you guys are doing. Thank you so much, man. I feel really blessed to just be a part of it, man, <laughs> let alone crazy enough to be at the front of it. You know, it's, it's really something. I think that that humility that you carry in how you pastor, how you lead, how you just are an influencer, I think that's what creates a lot of the vibe that I'm even speaking to. I know your church uh, there in LA, I've been able to be there a couple times now, the Potter's House at One LA. Any of our listeners out there, man, if you're anywhere near LA, it is worth the drive and worth the trip. Just see what's happening there. From my first time there, nobody knew who I was was when I walked in. I didn't come announced, you know, or anything like that. And there was just this warmth and, uh, hey, we're going to take care of you and we're going to make sure that you have a great experience here and that you get a little closer to Jesus as a result of being in this building. I just love what you guys are doing. Thank you so much. I mean, that's how I feel. And then I just think we're over the years that that culture and that heart has just been passed down to our staff. And it's really reassuring to hear you say that, man. And I mean that. And I really try with this show to have people on the program I like. We say no to a lot of people. And uh, we've kind of exploded this year. We've had almost about 40 episodes or so. And, you know, we've just been really fortunate to be able to have some great guests on. But you're one of these guys that I just really believe in the ministry, the word that you're bringing, and just the excellence with which you are making Jesus famous. So it's an honor to have you here. That means a lot to me. Thank you, Lucas. For sure. So, Tere, we've had a chance to kind of casually know each other for a few years now, meeting up in Hollywood a few years back, and you've had a lot of growth that God's taken you on. You were already just really killing it there in Hollywood prior to that, but I've seen from, at least from my vantage point, this acceleration that's happened over the last couple of years. Is that something you feel or that you're conscious of? Certainly. Honestly, I think it has a lot to do with my wife. Just God bringing us together and really feeling 
a sense of completeness. I mean, I'm the first person to tell you that no other person completes you. And I totally believe that we're whole, just God and ourselves. We have to learn to be whole within ourselves. But I do think that destiny sometimes is made whole and complete through relationships. And so I think that my relationship with my wife and then through that relationship, really getting an incredible father-in-law in in Bishop Jakes and what he has poured into me and affirmed in me has really played a significant part of, I think, some of the growth that you're seeing. I love that. I love that. And for listeners that don't know, Torre's uh, father-in-law is Bishop T.D. Jakes and known really the world over. I think one of the most well-known pastors of our day. And what is it like? I got to think that there's a lot of weight to having Bishop Jakes as your father-in-law and the wisdom, the mentorship that he can pour into you, but also the Bishop Jakes is my father-in-law. I got to make sure I stay on the straight and narrow here. Talk to me about that relationship. You write a little bit in your book, which the book is called Wholeness, Winning in Life from the Inside Out. You share a little bit about that relationship in the book. Can you expound upon that for us? Well, certainly. Well, today, four years later, I can honestly say that he's my best friend. And he's just been an incredible mentor. But I'm telling you, the first time, oh, man, it was kind of, you ever see that movie, Meet the Parents? You know, Sarah brings me, she brings me home, and uh, we both walk in the door, and Bishop pretty much ignores me. And, oh, Sarah, come here, honey. And and he's hugging her, and I'm kind of standing there twiddling my thumbs, like, hey, what's going to happen next? And then then he looks at me, and he says, uh, follow me. (laughs) (laughs) To the living room or, like, for life? Like, I don't know what's going on here. So his back is totally toward me, and he walks me through his home and takes me to this lanai area. So it's not quite outside, mm-hmm. but just as close to outside <laughs> of the house as you can get. And he sits me down, have a seat right there, and then he looks at me with a piercing gaze and says, now tell me what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and the longer the short of it, you know, we had uh, probably a two-and-a-half-hour I won't quite call it an interrogation. <laughs> Were there wires and tape involved? That's what I want to know. It was somewhere between an interrogation and an interview. But no, we talked and you know, I just opened up my heart to him. And I, and I was confident because I knew what I felt for his daughter was real. And I knew my heart for God was, was real and true. And by the time we came out of that meeting, I was his son. Almost as quick a connection as my connection with Sarah. And he's just become an incredible mentor, incredible friend, an incredible encourager. And I just feel privileged to have a front row seat at that level of greatness. That's really cool. Talk to me, Tore, a little bit about your upbringing. You're writing a book called Wholeness. A lot of times that brokenness or what you mentioned in the book sometimes is that leaking that occurs in our life. It happens really early on. And what was your growing up years like? Certainly. You know, it's so easy to see where things are now and to assume that they've always been that way. But no, to your point, Lucas, it was very, very different. I was raised by a single parent. That's my mother. I didn't have much of a relationship with my father. My father was extremely complicated. I do know that he loved me, but the way that he expressed love could easily be interpreted as hate or rejection or the communication that you're not good enough. And so basically, I was raised by my mom in a very challenging area. You know, I started off in East Oakland and then ended up in uh, Watts and saw everything and was exposed to everything. I mean, you name it, everything negative was just a block away. And so it was hard and I experienced a lot. But 
thank God for my mom. She always sacrificially made certain that I was exposed to environments that were greater than the environment that I was raised in. It was almost like she, by, you know, sending me to private school or sending me to really expensive summer camps, it was almost her way of saying, what is in you is greater than what's around you. And it didn't prevent me from experiencing things that perpetuated my brokenness, but it gave me this longing for more. And I talk about it in the book. One of the reasons why I wanted to really share my experience is because you look at this life that you say, wow, you know, I want this life, but you know, I can never have this life because I wasn't raised here or I wasn't in this family or I made this mistake. But the reality of it is life doesn't spare its rod on any of us. And we all experience levels of brokenness. And I wrote this book because the challenging part is that most of us can't see our brokenness. We can see everything else, but the hardest person to see, the hardest thing to see is our own selves. And so what I realized through becoming whole from level to level is that just because I don't see something doesn't mean there is not something in my life that's sabotaging my future. And so I wanted to be very transparent in the book about my own life, about my experience counseling thousands, and really give practical tools to both identify and overcome these broken areas so that we can be all that God has called us to be. I think that's a great point. And you mentioned something in your book. I think you touch on that a little bit early on where you say that, you know, one of the principles is that we shouldn't overestimate ourselves. And I thought that was so good because in this world, especially in this Instagram kind of world where there is so much of you have what it takes, you can do it, you got this. There's also a counter to that that we need to be aware of is this soberness of saying, I need to be able to see what is me and what is the Lord in this process as to not become conceited in my flesh and to also see what's the goal of what I'm still trying to obtain to. Is that accurate? How do you see that? That's totally true. I talk about never overestimating yourself. We've all heard never underestimate yourself, and I believe that that is so true. Even the Bible says not for us to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to, meaning that there should be some level of a sense of self-worth that we come with. But when we take that to the next level and we're thinking you know, more highly of ourselves, so much so that we can no longer be teachable, or we can no longer be shapeable or pliable, we are in trouble because the reality of it is none of us have arrived. And, you know, there's a passage that says man's ways are clean in his own eyes, but it's the Lord who weighs the hearts, weighs the spirit, which means that our insides really are what matter the most. And so I just really believe that no matter where we are, we can always improve. There's always a better way that we can look at things. And I believe that it's great to meet Jesus and have your place reserved in heaven, but I believe that the best life here is a life lived as we progressively pursue wholeness and uncover those things, work on our patterns so that we can really fully express who God has created us to be. That's good. It sounds like one of the early transformative moments for you was this woman who I believe you call Mrs. Jones. <laughs> and she had some unique advice for you when you were younger. Can you speak to that? Yeah, it was the weirdest thing when it was happening, but it makes so much sense now. <laughs> 
you know, walk in the church and I, you know, I had my Sunday best on as a kid and she was such a kind lady and she would walk up and say, Hey, Ture, you are such a handsome young man. And I'd be there gloating like, thank you so much, Mrs. Jones. And she would turn to me <laughs> and she would look at me with this gaze and say, make sure you're just as beautiful on the inside as you are on the outside and I'd be like, oh, and that, you'd be somewhat deflated because you knew that <laughs> <laughs> you knew that she was saying something deep, but those words, although I just knew even at an early age that those words meant something, I hadn't fully wrapped my mind around it, but it was so true. I mean, today the cosmetic industry is a $13 billion industry and, you know, I'm speaking of plastic surgery, et cetera. And so we're spending all this money on our outside and sometimes to the detriment of our inside, this notion that if I look good, I am good. And really, sometimes what drives a person to spend that type of money on their outside is some sort of brokenness that's on the inside. And so what she taught me and what she instilled in me was that there was another dimension to looking good. There was another dimension to being well, and that was taking into account and into consideration how you're doing on the inside, because I truly believe that your insides will ultimately determine your outsides. I couldn't agree more. I have a friend that is fairly involved in the health and fitness space, and we talk a lot about this idea, and I've kind of coined this term. I haven't heard anybody else say it, so I'm just going to say that it's mine and that I own it, right? But I call it just identity-based fitness. And really, when you look at how most people are, if you were to add in the cosmetic industry as well as the fitness industry, I mean, the sums of money spent on trying to get that outside physique and look and everything perfect, it's just overwhelming. But I really have a belief that if we focus on who we are and figure out who am I in Christ and who did God create me to be and what is my purpose here on this planet and all of these things, when we capture that identity, we're going to start seeing that fit man just kind of rise out from the inside of us and take over our lives more so than I could ever try to just put him on, if that makes sense. And so I love those concepts and I love the challenge that is for us, although it's not something that's easy to hear. I think it's such good wisdom and something that's really important that we take to heart. Totally true, Lucas. I've got a chapter in the book called Inner Security, and it deals with insecurity. And so when you think about sometimes the thing that's driving is cosmetic surgery or what have you, and I'm not against it to each his own. What I am against is the motivations and the why for doing it. If insecurity is driving you to do that, although you might feel prettier, you still haven't dealt with the insecurity. Mm -hmm. You still haven't dealt with that brokenness. And now you have shifted your value from who you are or who you could be to what you look like. And so we still have a thief in operation. One of the things I talk about in the book as it relates to insecurity, obviously, can be defined as a feeling. But really, what is creating that feeling is some thought. So I've got this phrase where I say insecurity is evidence that a negative and untrue thought about self has been embraced. And so it is essentially the evidence of a disease, a dis-ease, a disease. And so if I am patching up that disease with cosmetic surgery or spending, you know, too much money on buying clothes or having the biggest house or the biggest car, I still haven't addressed the source of that feeling. And there's nothing wrong with having all those things, but there is wrong with partnering essentially 
with a negative thought telling you that you're less than who God created you to be. And so in wholeness, I literally give practical steps to overcoming things like insecurity. So I agree with you wholeheartedly, and I'm telling you, if we get our insides together, that's what God wants for us. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you. Now, look, watch what he says. He says, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and not harm you, to give you a future and hope. And he's basically talking about us, who we are, not what I can add to you, but how I can prosper you, make you whole and you healthy and you happy. And I think that when we are touched by God and transformed by God and renewed by God, then all those other things on the outside will automatically flourish. I love that. And I was actually just reading that passage the other day. And if I can riff on that for just a second, in that specific passage that you're referring to, Jeremiah and really God through Jeremiah was countering the other prophets of that day that were telling Israel that don't worry, you're going to get delivered tomorrow. Don't worry about developing your farms here in Babylon. Don't worry about any of these things. God's going to save you. And Jeremiah comes in and goes, no, you got to listen. God's got a plan for you. But he's really saying that there's a process that's going to be involved here and that you need to go ahead and plant your roots because God's going to deliver you, but it's going to come a little bit down the road through your maturity and your developing. And that's really what you're speaking to here. There's a lot of people that want that quick fix of do these three steps and then you'll be whole. But you're presenting us with a path that is, I mean, you relate it to climbing a mountain. Climbing a mountain is not something you do just easily. It's a grind. It's a lifestyle. It's a momentum that we're developing in our lives. And I think that, I mean, from the outside, that's what I see as one of the major things that's made you successful is you understand that this is a marathon and not a sprint in following the Lord and reaching your full potential. Absolutely. I mean, it is work. And the good news is God already in his plan sees you on the other side of whatever brokenness you're experiencing. And I can just see the Lord at the finish line saying, come on, you can make it. And I'm thinking about that Hebrews passage where it says that looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who yeah. joy set before him, endured the cross. And so he's there, he's at the finish line. He's saying, listen, you can do it too. Don't be afraid to allow me to reveal what I am purposing to heal. It's not easy, but it will be worth it. And you will kiss the process later when you see the results on the other side. Totally agree. Love it. Are you looking to stay connected with current events, culture, religion, and all sorts of other news? Then faithwire.com is the place to do that. Hop over there, make sure and check out faithwire.com, the exclusive home to the Lucas Miles Show, Also, for all things news, especially with positivity, it's so easy to get bombarded by all the negative news that's out there, and that's one reason why I love FaithWire.com and why I've chosen to work with them for the launch of the Lucas Miles Show. It's just a great place to be able to go and get all of your information in one place, stay connected with the world's happenings, and leave with a smile. So check out FaithWire.com and make sure and like them on Facebook. And now, back to our guest on the Lucas Miles Show. Okay, in the book, you write that one of the things that grieve you the most is what you call human complacency, okay? The attitude of the heart that says, and I'm quoting here, I'm content with average. Wholeness, it's not a big deal. 
that resonated. So that's what makes me go, I need to buy this for every single person around me and get them a copy of this book because I'm in the Midwest. Like you're in LA. When I go to LA and I'm there a lot, everybody's got something they're working on and they're grinding on. And this is like just everybody's got five projects, at least that they're talking about. They might not know how to get them done, but they at least have five things they're talking about. I'm in the flyover state. People were kind of, they hit a point. They're pretty content with being middle class. And man, if I could just ring this quote from the mountaintops, I would. What is it about human complacency? Why do we get stuck not wanting more? And I don't mean that obviously in a greed way, but more as in, why do I see so many people just content with not seeing their life achieve the fullness that it could be in Christ? Yeah, I think to a certain degree, I mean, it could be brokenness. You'd be surprised how many people were told at an early age either directly or indirectly, that they can only go so far. You'd be surprised to know how many people look at where their parents went or where the people around them went, and as a result, begin to set their boundaries low. It can be a lack of faith. I don't believe that there can be more. Sometimes it's guilt and shame or regret. Since I've got these mistakes in my past, I'll just be happy to get a happy meal and a chocolate <laughs> shake. And you're right, it frustrates me. And it doesn't frustrate me because I'm angry with them. Right. I just believe in what God has placed on the inside of an individual. And, you see uh, their potential. I do. Yeah. When God called me, he showed me what was on the inside of every person. And so my whole ministry in this book is around speaking to the highest version of that individual that's on the inside of them, dying to get out. And I'm just hoping that this book and books and messages like this will begin to be commonplace in the marketplace so that what he placed on the inside of us can be realized. Love it. And that's my prayer for this. And I'm confident already with the uh, chapters and going through the book myself, this is going to impact a lot of people. Let's transition here. we got a few minutes left in the program. You, in the last year, as far as I'm aware, you guys have embarked on launching a new endeavor in the Denver area. Can you catch us up on what's happening there? Certainly. So yeah, in July, my wife, Sarah, and I uh, took over the senior pastor leadership of the Potter's House Denver. And so now we are pastoring both campuses, uh, both completely different campuses, completely different cultures. You know, L.A. is very young and hip and has a strong entertainment bend, if you would. Denver is different. Denver is diverse in age, multi-generational, very little entertainment industry um, influence there. And so it's been awesome. We've been, uh, you know, Sarah's an incredible speaker. And so we've been, uh, and leader, so we've been in both campuses. I'll be in L.A., she'll be in Denver, and then we'll flip-flop. And then uh, we purpose to be in one campus together per month. And so it's been awesome. Both campuses are growing well. It's great to be a part of the Potter's House family. And uh, I'm enjoying both the snowy days and the sunshine, sometimes all in the same week. <laughs> <laughs> that probably makes for a good balance here. So that's awesome. I have a family in Denver. I'm out there periodically, and that's a really fast-moving city right now, population growing rapidly, and I think probably a place that uh, makes a lot of sense strategically for you guys to have a work and really be able to share this message. So that's awesome. Any of our listeners in the Denver area, make sure and look for Potter's House of Denver. DeRay, if people want to find out more about you, about this book, where to grab it, give us some of that information so we make sure and uh, get all that out there. Certainly. I'm on all the social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and it's just my name, T-O-U-R-E, Roberts. But I would encourage them from the book perspective, I've created a wholeness test. And it's literally an 18-question test designed to grade you by percentage 
how whole you are. And so if you go to are you whole, it's the question, are you whole.com, take the test. You can certainly buy the book there if you want to, but take the test. I think you're going to be shocked at the results that come back to you immediately. I will do that myself as well. And depending on my results, I'll let you know how I did. So <laughs> I love this story. This is so timely for, I think, where people are. I mean, obviously, I mean, this is why you wrote the book. We're living in a time in the world where there's so many people that have been broken, that have been devastated by things of their past and have gotten stuck for whatever reason. And I think for people that have come through that and are at the other side and you're finding new and greater levels of wholeness in the Lord, what better way than to go back and help other people get there? And so I see that all over your ministry, whether it's from these local churches to the books you're writing, and the content you guys are putting out there. So, man, from everybody at the Lucas Miles Show, keep on doing what you're doing. We're for you, and uh, we'll help get the word out here on this book. For all of our listeners, make sure and pick up a copy of Wholeness, Winning in Life from the Inside Out by Pastor Torre Roberts. You can get it wherever books are sold. It is a must-read. Torre, thanks for being on the program. Thank you, my friend. If you haven't had a chance to pick up a copy of my book, Good God, the one we want to believe in but are afraid to embrace. I want to encourage you to do so. It's available wherever books are sold, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, you name it, you can find Good God there. So grab a copy. You can also always get a copy at lucasmiles.org. And after you read it, I'd love to hear from you. If you liked it, hate it, shoot me a message. Let's stay in touch and make sure and keep visiting lucasmiles.org. That's all I have for you for today, but make sure and head over to iTunes and download the Lucas Miles Show and head over to faithwire.com where you can always get the Lucas Miles Show exclusively there and listen to our newest episode. We have all sorts of exciting guests, so check it out, the Lucas Miles Show.